All right. Well, if you haven't been with us, we've been in a series uh, leading up to Christmas uh, in the book of Matthew. We're looking at the Christmas story through the lens of Matthew's gospel. And uh, today we're going we're gonna to look at how Christmas calls us into a life of courage. And so on that note, I want to just ask you a question this morning. I want to begin with a question. And here it is. Uh, what is the most dangerous thing that you've ever done? Are you got it in your mind this morning? What is the most dangerous, what is the most risky thing that you've ever done? As you think about that, I was, this week I was thinking a lot about courage because I watched a documentary called Free Solo. Anybody seen that one? Uh, this is about a climber. His name is Alex Honnold. And uh, Alex, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a rock climber. And, and one of the things he's famous for is free soloing. Now, if you don't know what this is, uh, free soloing is, is uh, scaling up a rock without a rope, without equipment and without a partner. So like you're, you're scaling up this rope like spider, or the, the cliff like Spider-Man. You know, nothing else. And uh, the thing about Alex Honnold is he set a record for being the, the first one ever to free solo El Capitan in Yosemite Park. And this is a 3,000 foot cliff. Now if you are afraid of heights at all, don't watch this documentary. Um, I, I hate heights, and I was just getting, you know, butterflies in my stomach just watching the footage from his climb. Just the, the camera would pan down at the, the ground, you know, 2,000 feet below, and then there he is in one move, and he's falling to his death. Now, in the documentary, uh, one of the things they asked him was, why do you do this? This is so dangerous. Why would, you, why would a person ever do something like this, so, something so dangerous and risky? And this is what he said. He said, you know what? I'm not the best climber in the world. I'm not the fastest, I don't think I'm the most skilled, but he says, I think I'm the climber that has the most courage. And he says, to be able to do what I do, you have to be able to risk everything. And he says, I do it because when I, when I step off that ledge, when I step out into that danger, he says, I feel like I'm alive. That thrill, that, that danger just gives me the deepest sort of life. And as I heard him say this, I thought, you know, that sounds a lot like Christianity, doesn't it? Stepping out off the ledge into danger. And there's a quote by G.K. Chesterton, and he talks about courage, and this is what he says. He says, courage is a strong desire to live, taking the form of a readiness to die. Courage is a strong desire to live, taking the form of a readiness to die. And that's a lot like Christianity, isn't it? Christianity is about life. It's about new life. It's about stepping into uh, what is truly living, following Jesus. And if Christianity is, is about life, then it is also about courage, taking the form of a readiness to die. Now, you may be sitting out there and you think, you know, I never thought about Christianity as something that takes courage. You know, in fact, when I asked you uh, about the most dangerous thing you've ever done, some of you thought of something illegal. I know you did. Uh, some of you thought of something maybe immoral. Somebody thought of some, some stupid decision that you made. And a lot of times we think of an immoral thing or a, a, a doing something against the law. That's dangerous. That's risky. And we think about Christianity following Jesus, doing what is right. Oh, that's the safe thing to do. And most of the, th most of the time that's true. You know, I mean, it is, it is true that if you drink and drive, that's a dangerous thing to do. It's safer to obey God and stay in your right, you know, keep your senses or whatever. But following Jesus is also quite dangerous, right? Stepping out into the unknown to, become, to, to follow Jesus wherever he leads, this can be the most risky, 
the most terrifying thing a person will ever do. Nobody knew that better than Joseph and the Christmas story. Now, what's interesting is as you look through the Christmas story, there's a command that goes all the way through it. It's the command, don't be afraid. Uh, When the angel shows up to the shepherds, the angel tells the shepherds, don't be afraid. Uh, when, when the angel shows up to Mary, the, Mary looks, the angel looks at Mary and says, you're gonna have a baby, you know, it's from the Holy Spirit, and don't be afraid. And in our passage, an angel shows up to Joseph, and he gives Joseph these words, Joseph, do not be afraid. And so the, the, what the angel's doing here is, is he's in, inviting Joseph into a life of courage, He's inviting Joseph into, follow Je- to, into a life of following Jesus, uh, which in some ways is bringing Joseph to the ledge. And he's telling Joseph to face his greatest fear. And I think God might be calling some of us to do that this morning. So let's look at his story, and let's see how a Joseph exercised courage here. We're just gonna begin in verse 18, where it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. That sounds so matter of fact, doesn't it? Now the birth of Jesus Christ, this is how it took place. Almost like he's just gonna recount some facts, you know, and give us some details about the historical event of Jesus' birth. Well, he's doing that, but this is also a, a story that is full of danger and full of drama and full of intrigue. In some ways, it's a very tragic story. Now the, the birth of Jesus took place in this way, and it says, When the mother Mary uh, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, we need to understand that that Jesus uh, was born into a culture that was way different than ours. Uh, As most of us know, he wasn't born into the United States culture, you know, 2019. He, He was born into ancient Jewish culture, which in many ways was opposite as ours. It was a hyper-conservative, patriarchal, honor-shame culture where sexual mores and the marriage system itself was very different from ours today. And so to begin with, uh, marriage was always arranged by the parents. Now, some of you parents are thinking, that's a good idea. That, can we go back there? You know, my four boys, I think, I, I would really, I think I'd really like to do that. Uh, but it was arranged by the parents, and also it began with a one-year period of betrothal. Now, betrothal, uh, the thing about this is, is it's sort, it was sort of like engagement, but way more serious. So uh, during this period, the couple was uh, considered uh, to be married. And so to, end, to, to break off the betrothal would have been, uh, you needed to get a divorce. You, uh, you, needed to, you would have needed to get papers and do it legally. And also during this period, the, the couple was not allowed to consummate the marriage, right? And so they weren't, the couple wasn't even allowed to be in the same room together uh, before the actual marriage. They couldn't be uh, alone together at all until that, that day approached. And so uh, this is why it's so shocking to hear that during this period of betrothal, Mary was found to be with child. Now imagine if you were Joseph, and you, and you got this news. It just would have been tragic and it would have been shocking, wouldn't it? You know, you put yourself in his shoes. I kind of imagine it going like this. You know, there they are, Mary and Joseph. Maybe they're at her father's, her, their, you know, his father-in-law, her father's hut, you know, or his tent. And she says, Joseph, I have something to tell you. Could you come over here uh, for a second? And so he goes over and, and she says, Joseph, I need to tell you something. Uh, you know, I, I'm pregnant. And he says, what? You're pregnant? I saw you making eyes at Benji the other day. Was it Benji? Was that who it was? 
are you kidding me? You're pregnant? I, don't, I haven't even gotten to hold your hand yet. And you're telling me that you've already been with Sarah. This would have been tragic for Joseph. You know, if he loved her at all, this would have been heartbreaking. And you imagine, if you've ever been engaged to somebody, you're imagining your future and you're putting things together. And to hear this news, I mean, his whole future would have shattered to the ground. It would have been a deep, dark, tragic moment. Some of you have been there. You know, some of you have watched your future hopes just dash to the ground. Some of you have seen your life fall apart. You know how horrible that can feel. I had a pastor when I was younger where his son committed suicide when uh, his son was 13 years old, and the pastor would tell the story. And he says, you know, a lot of people don't realize that when you're grieving, when you kind of lose all hope, and your life just falls apart, he says, that grief feels a lot like fear. And some of you know what that's like to be grieving, and and you just kind of feel that fear, and it's hard sometimes even to get up and get out of bed in the morning. Everything seems difficult, and this is where Joseph sat. He's, he, you know, he's, he's hopeless. He's in a very dark place, but I want you to see that Mary's revelation, it wouldn't have just been tragic. It also would have posed a moral dilemma because let's look in verse 19, and her husband Joseph, it says, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, received, uh, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now notice what it says here. It says that her husband Joseph was a just man. Now we read that, we, we just read it like Joseph was an upstanding guy. He was a, a man of integrity. He was a man of character. He did what was right. But here's what I want you to say. I mean, it did mean all of that. But there was this word, a righteous man. Uh, it was one word in, in Greek. It was the word tzaddik. Can we all say tzaddik? Good, thank you. This was a technical term. It had a rich history. And it was a word for somebody who uh, built their life around obeying the Mosaic law. And so Joseph was a tzaddik. He was a righteous man. He had committed his life. He had dedicated himself to obeying the law of Moses. Joseph never would have uh, eaten pork or shellfish. He was committed to the kosher laws. He ne- you never would have found Joseph associating with someone who was ritually unclean or morally unclean. Uh, Joseph was somebody that would have got, had a tremendous amount of respect in that ancient Jewish culture. He was a righteous man. And what this meant was that Joseph had a problem. You see, according to the Mosaic law, there was something prescribed for a woman who was found in Mary's situation. Deuteronomy 23 says that if a woman who is betrothed to be married is found pregnant, she is to be taken out of the city and stoned to death. That's what the law said that you should do. Now, by Joseph's time, this was loosened up a little bit, and so instead of of stoning the woman to death, they would just commit her to public shame, a public trial where, where this sin was exposed and she was marked for the rest of her life. It was a virtual death. And so for Moses to do what he was trained to do all of his life, uh, it it would have meant that he would undergo this trial and put Mary to shame, but Joseph didn't want to do that. You see, he was also a man of compassion, and I think he probably loved Mary. And so the passage says, in Greek it says, although he was a righteous man, not because he was a righteous man, but although he was a righteous man, a tzaddik, someone who kept the law, although he was this person, he resolved, instead of doing what everybody would have expected, he resolved to put her away quietly. What a man of integrity. What a man of character. You know, a lot of times you discover what your true character is when your life falls apart. 
You know, when the pieces are falling to the ground and, and, and things are not turning out the way you expected, this is when you find out what you're made of, where your backbone is, whether you truly are a person of character. You see, it's real easy to obey when everything's going well. It's real easy to do what's right when things are going right, but when things are falling apart, that's when you find out what you're like. As, as the old saying goes, character develops like film in the dark. And so Joseph uh, reveals what he's made of here. He resolves that he's gonna do something that nobody would have expected. He, de- he decides he's gonna put her away quietly. It's the right thing to do. It's the honorable thing to do. But what I want you to see is it was also the safest thing to do. Because by putting Mary away quietly, here's what Joseph was doing. He was was minimizing her suffering. This was the safest thing to do for Mary, right? If people are gonna find out, I mean, she's pregnant. She's gonna start showing. People in that small town are gonna know that she's pregnant. But you see, David, uh, what Joseph, the story's about Joseph. What he's, what he's doing here is he's gonna minimize her pain as much as he can. This is gonna be a, the least dangerous course of action for her. But also, this allows Joseph not only to minimize her suffering, but to maintain his status as a righteous man. Right, this is the safest thing for him. Right, he doesn't lose his reputation. He doesn't lose his status. He still the, maintains the respect of everybody. And this is what he's resolved to do. And I think a lot of people are here when they come to Jesus. You know, people are willing to do the right thing. They're willing to do what's moral, but they stop there. And really to go all the way to Jesus, to invite Jesus all the way into your life, it involves moving beyond beyond doing what's right into doing what is risky and dangerous. And that's what God calls Joseph into in this story. I want you to see here in verse 20. It says in verse 20, but as he considered these things, now isn't that interesting? Joseph resolved to put her away quietly. This is what he's gonna do. He's already decided, but you'd think he would do it, right? But instead of doing something, what does he do? He sleeps on it. He just kind of thinks about it. Maybe he wasn't feeling completely right about this decision. Maybe he still, you know, there was something kind of, you know, you've been there, you know, you have resolve and you're gonna do something and it seems like the right thing, but there's something in you that still kind of feels like, I don't know, there's something here that I just don't know if this is what I need to do. And he's kind of, you know, going back and forth and he's thinking about it for a while. Thinking about something sometimes can be a very dangerous thing to do. I was uh, listening to a podcast this last week by John John Ortberg, and it was called, What Were You Thinking? And he says, sometimes, uh, you know, the most important moments in a person's life is when they get to thinking about something. You know, he says, when you look, you know, someone makes a decision that changed their life and moves it in a whole different direction, he says, it's important to go back and see what was their thought process? What was going on in, in their life at the time? And sometimes, when you look at that process, it gives you the key about, uh, what was going on, and, and I think if you look at Joseph's life, uh, as he thought about this, this was, this was a very impo- important moment. His life could have gone in two different directions, right? If, if he decided to put her away quietly, he would have you know, been respected, a good man, a moral guy, but he would have lived his life out, and probably none of us would have known who he was. Or if he brought Jesus into his life, this would have changed everything. Think about it, Jesus was on the verge, or uh, Joseph was on the verge here of putting Jesus out of his life forever. 
Jesus was coming into his life, right? Jesus comes into all of our life. Jesus was coming into his life, and he was about to arrange things where Jesus was going to be out there, and he was going to go in a different direction. So much is hanging on this moment. I mean, every, imagine the drama here. I mean, God is just, I imagine God just going, oh my gosh, I hope he does the right thing. If that's the way it works, I don't know. I mean, so much is writing here on this story. This, the, the decision Joseph makes at this moment changes his life and the course of human history forever. And so at this moment, God shows up to him in a dream. And what he says is he says, Joseph, Mary's telling the truth. She, she really is, uh, has, she has a baby who is with child, uh, and she is with child with a baby who's from the Holy Spirit. And he says, I, d- I want you to do not be afraid to take her as your wife. Now, why does the angel tell Joseph not to be afraid? Why would Joseph be afraid to take Mary as his wife? Because if he did this, he stood to lose everything. Remember, he had built his identity on being a tzaddik, a righteous man. He had a reputation. He was respected. And if he invites Jesus and Mary into his life, if he attaches himself to them, he loses, he stood to lose everything. He stood to lose his reputation. He stood to lose his identity as a righteous person. Everything was built upon that. He probably would lose business. People would stop frequenting his his carpentry shop. He was putting himself in the pathway to danger. And so the angel says, Mary, here's, or Joseph, man, I'm having trouble with the names this morning. Joseph, don't be afraid. I know I'm asking you to step off the ledge here. I know I'm asking you to step into the unknown and do something incredibly courageous. But don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. What is courage? Someone once said that, that courage is not the absence of fear. Right, a lot of times we think, yeah, courage is when you just are not afraid and you do something without feeling that fear. No, 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 no. Courage is actually fearing, feeling the fear and obeying God anyway. It, it's doing the right thing. It, it, it's following Jesus Christ in the face of that terror. And this is what the angel is asking Mary to do, or Joseph to do in the story. Well, let's see, what does Joseph do here in verse 21? Uh, it says he gives the name of the child in the dream. She will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus. And then it says here that, verse sorry, 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took Mary as his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And so here's what Joseph did. He does what God commands him to do. He wakes up in the morning. Uh, he, you know, it's this great risk, but he, he does what the, what the Lord commands him. John Orford puts it this way. Joseph did, did what the angel had commanded him. He did two things as he did this. In verse 24, he married Mary. That's a legal step. It meant, that, it meant that he was publicly claiming her as his wife. And then in verse 25, it says that he named the baby. This too is a legal action. In the act of naming the child, Joseph is publicly adopting this child as his son. Joseph was now deliberately tied to his, he's deliberately tied his destiny to the, the lives of two stained reputations. Joseph has made a decision that will all anybody who comprehends it. 
So Joseph does the courageous thing. Again, as G.K. Chesterton put it, courage is a strong desire uh, to live, taking the form of a readiness to die. And so what Joseph does here is he's risking everything. He's betting the farm to follow Jesus. Now you're saying Joseph did that, and that's amazing. I'm, I'm glad that he did do that. But how does that relate to us? How are we called to do what Joseph did? How are we called... Uh, to have courage. How does following Jesus for me take courage? That's what I want to reflect on for the rest of our time here this morning. I want you to consider here that the decision to believe in Jesus takes courage. I mean, even the first step into belief, you know, following Jesus takes courage. Even the very first step into just believing in Christianity takes an enormous amount of courage. And a lot of us don't think that's true because we, we don't understand what belief is. We think about belief as agreeing to a certain body of truths. Yes, you know, I see there's the Apostles' Creed up on the screen, and I'm just gonna read through it. Yeah, I believe that, and I sit in my seat, and I recite that. We all recite that together. That doesn't take a huge amount of courage uh, because belief is more than just intellectual assent. Belief is placing your life in Jesus' hands. It's allowing Jesus to be your functional savior. That's what it means to believe. And now Joseph, you know, Joseph had a functional savior before. It was his reputation as a righteous man. This is what everything rested on. This is what his life was built on. This is what gave him meaning and an identity and and worth and significance. And Jesus is saying, Joseph, I want you to risk all of that and I want you to instead place your identity in me. I want you to rest your entire life, all of your identity and all of your significance on me. And this is what it means to believe. Belief is not just intellectual assent, it is confidence. It's trust. It's resting your whole self on who Jesus says you are and that takes courage. It's making a hundred percent commitment without 100% certainty. You know, a lot of us want certainty before we do that. You know, I wanna know that Jesus could hold me up, and, and you know, here's the thing about faith, it's not like a math problem. Where you can just say, oh yeah, I, that is rational, it makes sense. I mean, there are reasons to believe. And that, that will take you a certain, to a certain point, but at the end of the day, you've gotta step off the ledge. And you've gotta rest your life and all of your identity and all of your significance on Jesus. You need to let go of your functional savior. Everybody's got a savior. It's not whether you've got a savior or not. We all are trusting in something as our functional identity. Whether that's money or approval or success or safety and becoming a Christian is stepping off that old ledge and putting all of your weight on Jesus instead. That takes courage. That is stepping out into the unknown. And that's exactly what God is asking Joseph to do in this, in this passage. You know, and, and you know, every good decision, every important decision in your life takes this sort of faith. I remember when I, uh, when I proposed to Anita, uh, way back when, uh, I w- I, what, what I did is I took her to my apartment because I knew how to m- create a romantic situation. <laughs> took her to my apartment, and I remember right before I I popped the question, just thinking, and I don't know why I never thought of this before, I remember thinking, she could say no. (laughs) She could say no right here, but then I, and I remember just feeling that fear, but then I remember having the second thought, well, what if she says yes? (laughs) What if we're not right for each other? 
right? What if one of us gets sick? What, what if, you know, our future didn't, doesn't turn out the way we thought it was? But, but you see, there took a certain amount of faith, 100% commitment without 100% certainty to step into that situation. And becoming a Christian feels kind of like that. Letting go of an old identity and placing all of your weight on Jesus instead. That's terrifying. I also want you to see this from Joseph's story. The road to growth takes courage. Every time you grow, you face fear. In fact, the only way to grow is through facing the unknown. What's interesting about this story is this is not the last time that Joseph was afraid. In fact, all the way through the story of Joseph, it keeps on saying, and he was afraid. And he was afraid. He was afraid to take Jesus to Egypt. He was afraid uh, to, uh, you know, do several other things, which I probably should have looked up, but (laughs) if you look through the story, it's always saying Joseph was afraid. And this is your life. You know, your life, you know, you're going to be afraid for your entire life. You never get to a point where you're just not afraid anymore. I just wanted to encourage you this morning with that. (laughs) But you see, Growing and changing and moving to a higher level of life always means facing your fear. What's interesting is you look through, when you look throughout the stories of Jesus, whenever he wanted to teach his disciples a lesson on courage, he wouldn't just say, here, let me teach you, a, 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 let me sit down, I'll give you a Bible study on courage. No, Jesus never did that. When he wanted to teach his disciples courage, he would get into a boat and, and head straight into a storm. And there in the storm, in the darkness, when everything was falling apart, that's where they were terrified. And that's when they called out to Jesus and said, help me. And they saw in a tangible way Jesus showing up, and they got to the other side of the lake with more courage than they had before they left. Because growth always involves facing our fears. Remember uh, when my kids were born, uh, you know, my, my first one, Samuel, I remember when he was born, in that moment when, when we were in the hospital room, I remember feeling two emotions. On the one hand, I felt tremendous joy. And I also, for some reason, felt incredible fear. You know, the, here's looking at this little blob of tissue, you know, and just thinking, what if I mess him up? What if Anita messes him up? You know, yesterday we were hiking and we actually lost Micah by Lion College. And we were out there hiking and it was towards five o'clock and it was getting dark and Micah was running up ahead of us and he's my little five-year-old and, and I kept on seeing him up the trail and I kind of look every once in a while and then one time I looked and he was gone. And it, it took us 20 minutes to find him. And if you've ever, some of you parents have been there, hopefully somebody else has lost their child for maybe just a little bit. What is the fear that you feel in that moment? And imagine the pressure of raising Jesus. I wonder if Joseph ever felt like that. Man, I'm raising the Messiah. What if I lose him? And just feeling that pressure and feeling that fear, but you see, this is how you grow. This is how you, you reach greater levels of maturity. It, it's, it's facing your fears and, and not, not just not having fear and having courage, but feeling the fear and stepping out anyway. 
And some of you are in that moment this morning where maybe you're suffering and maybe your life's falling apart or maybe you're standing at a crossroads and to say yes means to step into courage and to say no means to step into fear. And the decision you make determines the rest of your life. You know, it determines the path you go down. And you're choosing either fear or courage. Joseph teaches us to feel the fear and to step into maturity. Number three, I want you to see that, that following God's call in your life takes courage. You know, when the call of God comes into a life, and it always does, there's, there, again, there's always two responses, a yes or a no. And so often, to step into God's call for your life takes courage. Whenever I look at my life and I see where God has called me, whether it's into public speaking, which I'm a major introvert, and that was scary for me, that took courage. Remember, first I said no for a long time until I finally said yes. Remember, you know, seven years ago when God, the God, God called me to, to move to a little tiny town called Batesville and sort of stepping off into the unknown. It seems like God's call always involves facing my fears. And I bet it's the same for you. What is God calling you to do this morning? Usually it's, it's something that's related to the things that you're most afraid of. Man, maybe God's calling you to love. You know, love is, is, takes a whole lot of courage because anytime you love anybody, it makes you vulnerable. And so many of us, if we've been hurt before, we sort of wall ourselves off and we close ourselves up. And maybe God's calling you to step into love this morning, to facing that fear. Maybe God's calling you to get help. You know, to look at your life and and to acknowledge, man, I'm pretty messed up. And if I keep on doing what I'm doing, it's gonna bring me into a very dark situation. I need help. I need need to admit that I'm wrong, and and maybe God's calling you to step into acknowledging what's wrong with you and to get help. Maybe God's calling you into generosity. Christian life is a life of generosity where you let go of your possessions and you you give to people who have need. Serving at our Father's table, giving to our Father's table, serving in some some other capacity. Maybe God's calling you to serve, and that takes courage. Maybe God's calling you to forgive. You know, for, for offering forgiveness to somebody, it just brings such freedom, but it also involves courage. Because what if they do it again? And what if I get hurt again? And I have to let go of power to do something like that. Following God's call always involves courage. And so here's the question today. Where do you need to step into courage this morning? Where is God calling you to face your fear? Now, we often think about doing the right thing is also doing the safest thing. But what if the right thing and the most dangerous thing are the same? What if the right thing and the scariest thing are the same? What if following God involves facing your deepest fears? Well, how do we get the courage? Well, as you look at the story here, when, when God calls Joseph to do this, I want you to see that he also gives him the power to do it. What is the name of the baby that he's calling to embrace? 
It says here that you shall call his name Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel name mean? It means God with us. The presence of God is always the power to risk. Whenever God calls you to risk, he always gives you his presence to enable you to do that. You know, throughout the Bible, the most common command is do not be afraid. You know what it's always followed up with? Do not be afraid because I am with you. God's presence gives you the power to step into danger. And this baby was called Emmanuel. And in Jesus Christ, God was breaking into Joseph's life and he was breaking into our world. And he was living among us and then ultimately dying the death that we should deserve and rising again from the dead so that at the end of Matthew, he says on the lips of Jesus, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God is with you. If you're a Christian, the incarnation and the promise of Jesus is that God will always be with you. They're giving you the power and giving you the strength to step out into the calling that he's given you. And so he tells Joseph, do not be afraid because I am Emmanuel, God with us. So again, where, where is God calling you into courage this morning? Where are you most afraid to do God's will? What might it look like for you to, to step off the ledge into the unknown? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the story of Joseph, a man of, man, as I read about it, just remarkable courage. And Lord, he's a picture of the type of courage that all of us need to follow you. Lord, I know that there are people in this morning, people here this morning, who are facing circumstances that, uh, just to be honest, they're, they're terrifying. And Lord, I pray that you would give them courage to step into the unknown, to trust you, to follow you, to lean on you, to trust you to rest their lives on you. I pray for those of us who are at a crossroads, uh, thinking about what it might look like for us to follow you into where you're calling us. Maybe that means leaving a job. Maybe that means staying in a job. Maybe that means making a decision to love a spouse. Maybe that means uh, taking the step to obey you in an area of life that they just really find difficult. Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength to know that you're with us that you would give us the courage through your presence to step into a life of following you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.